My name is Jonathan McMeans, and I am one of the pastors here at Heights Baptist Church in Alvin. Wanted to let you know that we are so glad that you found our content online, and we hope that you're blessed by it. But if you're a guest with us, one of the ways that you could let us know that you were here is by filling out the digital connect card that is at heightschurch.org connect or by scanning the QR code on the screen in front of you. I wanted to let you know also that you could join us in person every Sunday at 9 or 1030. And also that content is available live on YouTube and Facebook. We're really glad that you found us. When I was growing up, one of the most exciting things that I looked forward to was a visit from my grandma and grandpa. Now, a lot of you guys, I'm guessing, probably uh, grew up living relatively close to your grandparents, and so maybe you got to see them on the weekends, or maybe you at least got to get together for special occasions, but my whole extended family is from the Detroit, Michigan area, and then before they had kids, my mom and dad moved out to the West Coast to Southern California. And so we grew up literally on the other side of the country uh, from all of our extended family. And so those few times when uh, we got to see grandma and grandpa, it was a special occasion. And it was something exciting because I remember because somebody had to get on a plane. Grandma and grandpa would get on a plane. And this is back in the 80s. This is back when you could still go and meet people as they got off the plane at the gate. So you, you could even go through security and you could be there in the terminal when they came off of the jetway. And I remember, and, and back then, you still dressed up to get on a plane. And some of you guys are young enough that you guys don't remember this and you're thinking, when I get on a plane, it's sweats and flip-flops, right? I want to wear, I want to be as comfortable as possible. But there was a time when, when you, when you got on an airplane, it was a special occasion. And so you were dressed to the nines. And I remember watching people disembark as a kid, waiting to see the sea of faces, to see grandma and grandpa. And they were always wearing their Sunday best because that's how you dressed for an airplane back then. And I remember you could always tell grandma, grandma was very, very short. And grandma, as, as far back as I could remember, always had, uh, always had a hard time moving around. She had really bad hips. She'd had a lot of uh, like surgeries and procedures. And for most of my life growing up, uh, her legs, one was a little bit shorter than the other. And so grandma always sort of had this like shuffle when she walked, but it never slowed her down one bit. And so I would remember seeing the sea of people and see grandma and grandpa. And I knew as a kid that this was going to be a special occasion because it was just going to be nonstop fun because we were going to just cram all of that grandma, grandpa, grandkid time into like a week or however many days they had to spend. And my grandmother was um, a math specialist in the public schools. So she knew all the tips and tricks on how to make math fun. And so it was just nonstop games with grandma and fun with grandma and hugs with grandma when I was a kid. Grandma and grandpa coming to town was a special occasion. And as I got a little bit older, I began to understand and appreciate that every moment that I had with them was a precious gift because we lived so far away, that we only had a limited amount of time to do the kinds of things that many people get to do, you know, several times a year. We might only get to see them once, maybe once every other year, maybe. The psalmist 
uh, David, who's writing our psalm this morning, tells us that the psalm we're going to be reading is for a special occasion. It says, uh, a psalm of David for the dedication of God's house. So in the same way that grandma and grandpa coming to town was a special occasion in my life growing up, this is a special occasion in the life of God's people. And this is what David says. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. We've been walking through a series called Dependent as a Church, and we've been looking at some key psalms to see how we're dependent on God for various things in our life. And this morning, we're going to talk about what it means to be dependent on God for joy. And the first way in which we are dependent on God for joy is that we are dependent for what God has done. Now, I love this because David does not want you to miss the big idea here, right? David does not want you to miss the big E on the I chart. Nothing else that we're going to talk about matters unless you get this first part right. We have joy because of what, has got, because of what God has done in our salvation. Scripture teaches that we were dead and that God has brought us back to life. Paul writes in Ephesians 2, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. We were walking around zombies, right? The body might have been alive, but inside we were spiritually dead before we met Jesus. And God's word tells us that we were going straight to hell. And God reached down into death, reached down into hell. That word Sheol, that's the Old Testament concept of the grave or of hell. It's the afterlife and not necessarily a good afterlife. Reached down into death and grabbed us and yanked us back up again the same way you would yank a bucket of water up out of a well. That's what God has done for us in salvation. That's what Jesus Christ did when he went to the cross for us. He gave us the gift of eternal life. So the first reason that we find joy is because what God has done in saving us. The second way in which we find joy is in who God is. Continue reading with me, starting in verse four. Sing praises to the Lord, O you saints, and give thanks to his holy name, for his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. You see, we find joy not only in what God has done for us and that he saved us, but we also find joy in God's character. And I think, you know, in our world today, there is a temptation to want to sort of avoid, tiptoe around, not talk about the anger of God. You guys know what I'm saying? Nod your head if you understand what I'm saying. When you're in the grocery store and you're wanting to share Christ with somebody, you don't usually lead with, oh, by the way, we worship a God of wrath. You know, <laughs> we worship a God who's really, really angry. But brothers and sisters, that's what the Bible 
teaches about our God. Not only is he a God of love and grace and mercy, he's also a God of justice. And that means when he sees injustice, when he sees suffering in his world, when he sees people hurting one another, abusing one another, he gets angry when his good creation is hurt by those who would abuse it or abuse one another. God wouldn't be just or good if sin didn't make him angry. Does that make sense? He wouldn't be a just or a good God if he wasn't angry. If he wasn't angry. So what I say is, rather than tiptoeing around the fact that, that the scripture teaches us that our God is a God who gets angry, let's put that anger in its proper context, okay? David says, his anger is but for a moment and his favor, or another way you could say that is his grace lasts for a lifetime. Little word picture for you. Here's God's anger. His anger at sin. His anger at injustice. His anger at wrong when people do what is wrong to one another. And his grace lasts forever. Put that in perspective. The reason why we can have joy is we worship a God who was angry at us and saved us anyway. That same passage in Ephesians that I read just a minute ago, one verse earlier, it says that we were by nature children of wrath. We were all on the naughty list, all right? None of us we're good people all by ourselves. All of us were headed straight to hell and God saved us anyway because of his grace, because of his favor. Romans says, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we find joy in the Lord because of what he has done and that he saved us. And we find joy in the Lord because of his very character, that he is a God whose anger is for a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. And that's one of the reasons why we can put in perspective the difficult times that come our way. David says, though the sorrow lasts for the night, joy comes with the morning. Never are we promised by God that our life is always going to be easy and that our life is always going to be pleasant. What we are promised is an eternal life with him that lasts forever. And one of these days, the suffering and the pain that we experience will come to an end and we will know his everlasting peace and his everlasting hope. One of the things that we're doing right now as a church is we're discovering uh, what it means to know and do the will of God through this uh, small group study that we're doing, the, uh, the seven realities of experiencing God. And one of those first, uh, one of those first principles that we, what, that we learned about this last week is that God is always at work around you. And recognizing that God is at work around us allows us to be aware not only of the good things that come our way, but also of the hard. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We give thanks not just for the, for the good stuff, but for the stuff that's hard. So we give thanks to God because of what he's done in salvation. We give thanks to God for who he is and his character. And we also give thanks to God for what he is, what he is currently doing in our lives. Now, this is an interesting part because this is where 
the song that David is singing turns, takes a bit of a turn. The first five verses have all been about how amazing God is. And now David flips the camera around and he looks at his own life. And you're going to get a little bit of a confession from David. Listen to what he says. He says, as for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. Those two verses by themselves sound a little bit weird. I mean, we've come off of this high of praising God for everything that he's done. And then, and then David says, yeah, and I turned around and I looked around and said, huh, I did a pretty good job. I made some good plans. I invested wisely. I chose a good career path. You can't beat being king. You know, I've made some wise decisions. And now things are comfortable. Anybody ever been there? I mean, I'm literally trying to think the last time in my life where I didn't, something was totally going off the rails, you know, because I got four kids, so somebody's always out of sorts. But, but I mean, you know, there's times in our life where things are going pretty good. Brothers and sisters, have you ever made the mistake of being so dependent on God when you're in a crisis? And then when the crisis is over, it's kind of like, eh, this is good. Life's on cruise control. Things are, things are clipping along. I think that's what David is saying here. He's saying, he said, I got to a place in my life where things were going really good. And I looked around and I said, huh, I did a pretty good job. And I forgot all about what God was doing around me. And I looked around one day and I suddenly realized that it was God who gave me everything that I have and I was having a hard time finding him or seeing him because I had been spending all the time thinking about myself. Brothers and sisters, let us not only run to the Lord. Let's not get on our knees just when we're in a crisis. But let's also recognize that, like James says, every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. The air that we breathe and the food that we eat and the house that we live in and the family that we love are all beautiful gifts from the Lord. And you know what else is a gift from the Lord? Though it's not nearly as much fun the hard times that come our way are also something that God uses in our lives. James chapter one, he says, consider it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, or another translation might use the word steadfastness. In other words, when trials come our way, we consider that joy because God's teaching us how to hang in there. So we give thanks to God and we find joy in the Lord because of how he saved us. We find joy in the Lord because of his character. And we find joy in the Lord when we are aware of what he is doing around us, whether it's good times or hard times. We count those things as joy. That's part of learning to get past the temporal. It's more than just happiness that's based on our circumstances. You know, I, I think as a believer, this is something that I think the Lord is teaching me right now. I think 
because for years I've grown, in, uh, grown up in church and we've talked about the fact that there's a difference between happiness and joy. You know, if you've heard that before, nod your head so I know who you, okay. All right, there's a difference between happiness and joy. And in my mind, I think I've always sort of had this idea that, okay, with God, I'm supposed to have joy, which is something different than happiness, so I'm supposed to be happy all the time. Like, I honestly think, and I think the Lord is trying to teach me that joy does not mean that we're happy all the time, because you know what? Happiness is based on circumstances, and sometimes circumstances are going great, and sometimes you live through a year like 2020. And there's sorrow, and there's loss, and there's hurt, and there's hard times. And it's okay to be sad and to be disappointed and to grieve and to mourn when those times come your way. But, but joy is the knowledge that, likes, like David said verses earlier, that the sorrow lasts for a night, but the joy comes for the morning. We have a hope that we can hold on to that there are better days coming because of the promise that God has given to us. We find joy in what God is doing around us, the good times and the bad. And we find joy in God's mercy. David says, to you, Lord, I cry. And to the Lord, I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. And that word helper is so much more than just someone who like hands you tools on a job site. The helper, the word helper there, when God is our helper, he is the one who saves us. He is the one who partners with us in order to do that thing that we were called by him to do. You see, when we make the mistake of taking God for granted, when things are going well, or when we make the mistake of being angry at God and not considering the joy, when we encounter hard times, we can run to a God who is merciful. There's no such thing as a time out with God. Peter says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Draw near to the Lord and he will draw near to you. When you find yourself in that place in life where you're like, you know what? I've been taking God for granted. I have been focused on other things and other people and other projects and I have not been spending the time with God that I need. I have not been thankful to him the way I need to be thankful. What you do is you run to him because he is a God who is merciful and we can approach his throne with grace and mercy. Hebrews 4 says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in times of need. Because when you come to the Lord and you say, Lord, I've blown it. I've messed up. I didn't do right. I should have done better. There's no timeout. There's no standing in the corner. No, you run to the Lord because you know what? He's been running toward you the whole time. Because he's a God who's filled with mercy. So, so far in this psalm, we've talked about having joy in what God has done in our life, in salvation, the fact that he reached down to death and he saved us. We have joy in God's character and who God is. 
because he's a God whose anger is but for a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. We can rejoice in what God is currently doing all around us in our lives, both the good and the bad. And we have joy because our God is merciful and we can run to him when we've blown it, when we've made mistakes. The final thing that brings us joy is eternal life. Verse 11. You've turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. That my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. David says he's turned my mourning into dancing. Those words became very real for me this week. Um, it, was a Wednesday, it was Wednesday night. We had just finished band practice, and I'd noticed while we were having band practice on Wednesday night that I kept missing calls from my dad. I had two or three missed calls and a text message saying, please call me as soon as you can. And, uh, and so I knew that wasn't a good thing. Um, because usually with my dad, he calls once and leaves a voicemail and says, you know, hey, you know, call me back when you get a chance. Usually, you know, my dad's like, he's always like, ah, oh, it's no big deal. Call me whenever you get a minute. You know, it's no rush. Obviously, there was a rush this time. And you see, my grandmother had spent the last six weeks on hospice. My, my grandmother went on hospice the first week of December. And so I knew when I was missing those calls during our rehearsal, I, I had a feeling I knew what the answer was going to be. And I called my dad and we were actually still here and the guys were still putting their equipment away and talking about guitar pedals and, and doing all that. And I, and I got on the phone with my dad and my dad said, uh, grandma's gone to be with Jesus. And all of a sudden that whole idea of mourning was no longer an abstract concept for me and my family. Because my grandmother was one of the most amazing and godly people that I ever knew. She was the most powerful prayer warrior I knew. She prayed for every single one of her kids, every single one of her grandkids, and every single one of her great-grandkids, and I think maybe every single person she knew every single day by name specifically. I remember this because when we were kids, one of our favorite things to do with grandma and grandpa was we would walk to the diner and have breakfast. And that was sort of, she would take one kid at a time so that we could have some special one-on-one -on -one time with grandma and grandpa. And we would walk to the diner. And while we were walking those couple blocks to the diner, she would be going over her prayer list. And I remember her praying by name for all of the people in her life. Once my grandmother got on Facebook, and let me tell you something, for 91 years old, I'm not sure I know anybody who was better at Facebook than she was. Right. I could always count on at least my mom and grandma liking whatever I posted. And I remember grandma telling me once, she said, I click the like so that you know that I saw it and so that you know that I'm praying for you. She used Facebook as her prayer list. So I remember one time coming back from a Mexico mission trip and there was like on my notifications, there were like 47 likes from grandma because she'd gone in and liked every single picture that got posted. And somebody else that was on the team held up her phone and she said, this must be grandma, right? And I said, that's grandma. She was an incredible prayer warrior. She never had an ugly thing to say about anybody. 
She was a person who had dealt with a lot of hardship. I told you a little bit about how it was hard for her to move around, and yet it never slowed her down. She was a cancer survivor. So the last several years, because of the, the chemotherapy and the radiation and the treatments, um, eating was difficult because she had issues with like having dry mouth and things like that. And so her day-to-day -day existence was not easy. But she was always, always cheerful, always optimistic, always filled with the joy of the Lord. I remember she used to sing us this Bing Crosby song that talked about um, accentuate the positive and, and, and forget the negative and don't worry about anything in between. That was the way grandma lived her life. And so it's a sad time for those of us that knew grandma. This is a time of mourning for us. You know, and we're thinking about, you know, the fact that, you know, I'm not going to get to pick up the phone. We're not going to get to call grandma. We're not going to get to FaceTime grandma. We're not going to get to visit grandma. But every single member of my family who's a believer that I've talked to this past week all said the same thing. She's in the presence of Jesus. There is no doubt in our mind because of who Jesus is and what Jesus did for us and the way that he provides salvation, we know that grandma is now in a better place. And that's not just something you say, that's something that we really believe. A couple of years ago, my family was given a precious gift and we had the opportunity to fly out for grandma's surprise 90th birthday. And people from all over the country flew in. I mean, and she'd, she'd never met my kids because I'd, I'd flown back a couple of times. Like I flew back when my grandfather passed away and a few other special occasions, but I always flew by myself. And so this time we brought the whole family. She got to meet all of my kids. And so we all gathered at that restaurant, you know, and it was this big hush-hush secret, you know, thing. And they brought her in to, you know, oh, we're going to go out to, we're going to go out to eat. And they came in and then like, people that loved her from all over the country were all over, all over that restaurant yelling surprise and singing happy birthday. And the look that was on her face, just that overwhelming excitement to see all of the people that she loved and cared about. And I thought for a moment, I wonder if that's what heaven's going to be like. I wonder if for my grandmother, when she closed her eyes for the first time, or for the last time, and she opened them again, and she's standing there in the presence of Jesus with all the other saints in glory, if she didn't have the exact same look on her face. You see, for us, death is not the end. When Jesus went to the cross and paid the penalty for our sins, and then when he, rose, uh, when he rose from death on the third day, he conquered the enemy of Satan and sin and death. So that we no longer fear death. Death is no longer the ending for us. And when we lose someone that's close to us, we don't need to keep ourselves wrapped in that sackcloth or that mourning clothes or maybe at the black that you wear when you go to the funeral. Because God turns our mourning into dancing.
And every single member of my family who's a believer that I've talked to this week all said the same thing. We know that grandma's in the presence of Jesus. And you know what? He's turned her mourning into dancing. And all of the pain and struggle that she had with mobility in her life is no longer a thing because she has received God's ultimate healing. This morning, I want to invite you to receive that healing. If this is new to you, if you've never had an opportunity to come to know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, if you have not experienced that eternal life that begins when you place your faith and hope and trust in Jesus and, str and stretches into eternity, I want to give you the opportunity to have your mourning be turned into dancing and for him to fill you with joy. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up and we're going to sing one more song uh, this morning. We're going to be taking the Lord's Supper together. And so we're going to be doing that in a few minutes while we sing this last song. If you need to sneak back and grab um, a, a cup for, for the Lord's Supper, you guys can feel free to do that. But we're going to have, uh, Pastor Lee's going to come up here and we're going to have some folks uh, kind of on the wings here. They would, they're here. They would love to answer questions that you have about what it means to know Jesus, what it means to walk with Jesus. If you have a prayer request, if you have something that has been weighing heavy on you that you need to lay down, if you need to lay down your burden so that God can fill you with joy, I want to invite you to do that this morning. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much that in you that we can find joy. Lord, thank you for the way that you fill us with joy in the way that you save us and in who you are and your character, what you're doing in our lives, the way that we can run to you when we've blown it. And Lord, thank you that you've turned our mourning into dancing and given us the gift of eternal life. Lord, I pray for everybody who's here this morning. Lord, I pray for those who have heard your word go forth this morning. I pray that they would uh, heed the leading of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray for brothers and sisters who would experience your joy in you. We ask this in Jesus' name. I want to thank you for watching Amen. today's message. I hope that you found it encouraging and challenging to your faith. At Heights, our mission is to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ. And right now, I want to encourage you, if you have never given your life over to Jesus Christ, placed your faith and trust in Him, then the Bible calls you to do that. And today, right where you are, you can place your faith in Christ and become a new believer in Jesus. You know, that's such an important decision that every person has to make. You know, one day you are going to stand before God and give an account of your life, to give an account of what you did with Jesus Christ in your life. And so I want to encourage you, just as Hebrews 4.12 says that today is the day of salvation, just right where you are, give your life to Jesus Christ. And the way that you can do that is through prayer. You know, the Bible says in Romans 10.13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so if you're interested today in starting a relationship with Jesus, having your sin forgiven, 
finding forgiveness of your sin and new life with Christ that lasts for all of eternity, I want to encourage you to pray along with me. Let's pray together. Dear God, today I need Jesus as my Savior. I place my faith and trust in Him, in Him alone. Thank you for saving me. You know, if you prayed that prayer today, we'd love to be able to connect with you. If you'd like to go to heightschurch.org slash connect, let us know that you prayed. Let us know how we can pray for you. But the important step that you need to take is to let somebody know, today I started a new relationship with Jesus Christ. We'd love to come alongside of you and encourage you in that new direction in your life. We'd love to have you in person if you're able to make it at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. If you have any other needs, contact us at heightschurch.org connect. We'll be back in touch with you. Thank you for watching today's message, and I hope you have a great week.